This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Haystackers, guess what? It's Monday, and you know what that means. Time for the Navy Federal shout-out. And good timing, too, because I hear Doug and OG coming down to the table. So let's get this week started by raising a glass. On behalf of the men and women of Navy Federal Credit Union and the team making podcast here in the basement, let's all go stack some Benjamins. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a big show, a real big shoe. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you hate money, today was built for you. Yes, it's tax day in the USA, the day you hand over your wallet to your uncle in Washington. I'm electronic filing this year, and our guest today would be proud of me for saving the paper because today, to tell you about sustainable investing, we welcome the author of Your Essential Guide to Sustainable Investing, Larry Swedro. Speaking of efficiency, in headlines, Uber, Lyft, FedEx, and others are levying gas surcharges on everyone. More inflation or innovation to come. We'll chat about what it means to you, and we'll continue that thought in our TikTok Minute. And of course, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Amanda. And now, two guys who want to help you not only hold on to your Benjamins, but stack a ton more. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Hey there, stackers. Let me be the first to welcome you to Monday. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And what a show we have for them today, OG. I can't wait. You, me, Larry Swedro is back. Did you use the uh, CNBC bit again? Like where you call it like, hey, this is Joe from CNBC. We'd love to have you on the podcast. <laughs> just, just don't tell him he's coming back to the basement. Do not no, no, tell him. No, no. Yeah, just, the studio phones aren't working. Just just call my cell phone. Yeah. Uh, so when did CNBC move to Texarkana? Well, it's a long story. Budgets have been bad. It's been tough, Larry. You got to get on a... Inflation. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> virtual these days. Right. Yes. The amazing Larry Swedro. And if you don't know who Larry is, he has been... An incredible icon in the world of financial planning for a good long time. We got a great headline, OG, but first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. 
Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. All right, Larry Swedro, waiting to talk sustainable investing 101. How does it work? What is there to know? Got you covered. But to get there, let's do this. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. It's written by Paul Zibrio and Pratika Rana. Gas price surge feels fights at FedEx and Uber over who's going to pay, OG, who's going to pay for the increased cost of gas. And guess who, by the way, as you read down through this piece, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Guess who's going to pay for the gas? Not upper management. Isn't that a shock? <laughs> it is It is so weird. FedEx, I didn't know this. FedEx works with a, a, a team that is largely independent contractors. And uh, the independent contractors are picking up a lot of the cost of the gas. FedEx does have a fuel surcharge where they will pay for some of the fuel. However, uh, they pay per pickup. So drivers say, hey, if I've got a long way between two different houses or two different buildings, it ends up costing me a lot more money. So guys that are rural drivers or women that are rural drivers really take it on the chin. And of course, I've noticed on my Uber and Lyft rides lately, every single ride I've had a fuel surcharge. Fuel is uh, fuel in the game, apparently. I went and got a uh, haircut, which Doug so nicely pointed out. I think it's pretty sweet. It's, I did, it's not a good one, but you have less hair. It must be nice to sit from the cheap seats. Wear a hat. Like do you I remember do. your last haircut? <laughs> Anyways, so... <laughs> but I noticed there was I noticed there was a sign. It was kind of hidden in the back behind the cash or the place that I go is like one of those, you know, like here's a beer, you know, coffee or something. So they had the beer behind the counter. But there's a little sign that says, you know, due to the safety and wellness of our 
staff and our consumers will be adding a $3 surcharge temporarily, you know, to help with offset the cleaning costs. And this has been going on for Wait a minute, hold on. Your barber has implemented a $3 surcharge. Yeah, but this is a product of COVID, right? The whole like cleaning surcharge, you know, whatever. And so I said, because normally we don't want to keep the barbershop clean. Like normally it can be discussed (laughs) hair all over the place, but because of COVID. Anyways. So of course you can't take that out on the front desk personnel, right? They're sure. They they don't, they're not. And I just said, Hey, you know, I see, I'm just kind of curious when you guys are going to let that go. And he went, let what go? I said the $3 surcharge for the, uh, you know, the extra cleaning fee. And like the person I taught, like had no concept that that was actually still, you know, is it's now just in the price. It's a and thing. I said, just for what it's worth, it would be probably better if you just increase the cost yeah. of the of the product rather than like line iteming it out because yeah. people notice those things. That was the comment I was going to make a minute ago. It, it, it's really frustrating when they call it out. Just raise your prices. I probably wouldn't notice, Joe. If if your Uber or Lyft ride was three dollars more, you wouldn't have known. You would have figured it had to do with surge pricing or something, right? It's when was like the last you time get... you actually comparison shopped in Uber? You're right. like, you're like, I need to go from this place to this place. It's like, cool. It'll be there in three minutes and you get in and then you go, huh, that was 20 bucks. Weird. <laughs> you know, so, you know yeah. what's amazing though? I actually did obviously on this uh, extended road trip that I'm on with the, with the book tour twice. I have to tell you, I had to comparison shop. I was at SFO, San Francisco airport for people that don't know the cool kid lingo. And I, and I walk out take out my Uber app, compare it to my Lyft app. The cheapest price I could get to go one mile to my hotel was $63. The cheapest How price much was, was it for a train ticket <laughs> <laughs> to go, to go to my, to go to my hotel an hour or, or excuse me, one mile. I don't think he understood the joke. Yeah, I don't think he gets I, it. I get the joke. I'm letting it go. What I did do though, is I walk over to the taxi <laughs> first stand. First I had to go to Spokane first, and then yeah. I could get back to my hotel. And it was Can 19 cents. Can we rewind cents. why you needed to get a ride for a mile? Because it's, it, have, have you, you been seen to- him? Have you seen him back? He needs a Sherpa. <laughs> I was just saying, have you seen how many crap. bags I got? I got three bags. They're full of books and stuff. I mean, this thing, I've got all my recording equipment. This stuff's heavy. I'm not going to drag that crap a mile. And I don't think there's any really easy way to get to where my hotel was. And frankly, I don't know where it is. And it's dark. Obviously, since it costs $63. Why are you being so defensive, Joe? No, here's the deal. We're, <laughs> we're talking about comparison shopping. So I go over to the taxi stand. You know how much my taxi ride was? $17. 17 bucks versus 63 What a bargain. Yes, which is actually pretty damn Was funny. there a $43 <laughs> surcharge? Well, no, yes, and that is pretty damn funny that that I'm like seventeen bucks, dude. That's great, and that's it to go a mile, seventeen dollars. But I was I was high five and like everything. Can you believe it? I'm in and, the wrong business. Yes. Well, they got the cleaning fee after every time you get out of the cab. And then it happened again in Boston. I got out of the at the Boston airport. I went and I BOS. Open for those who don't know. <laughs> I don't know the cool kid lingo for Boston. Is it BOS for Logan? It's BOS. Yeah. For Logan, yeah. It is. So it I uh but I opened up the Uber app, 75 bucks to get across town to my hotel, went to the taxi stand, took a taxi, 24 bucks. I just realized I forgot to charge you for driving you from the book signing to the bar. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Afterwards. Quick, we gotta move on, OG. We gotta That's move going on. on the expense report, OG. We gotta move on, but I think that they've captured so much mind share 
that you don't even think about taxis anymore, right? You just don't think about it. You're like, oh, it's going to be 65 bucks. Okay, I'll pay the 65 bucks. The problem with the surcharge concept is that it implies that it goes away. Yeah. You know, when you say, oh, it's a $3, like you go, okay, well, that must mean it goes, like what's the predetermined point in which it goes away? Because you got to imagine that all the pricing and all the other stuff is gets factored into it. So then it's just an extra profit. <laughs> you know, Then it's just extra stuff on top of it. Which is fine. It is what it is, right? If that's what the market uh, allows for is $62 rides for a mile, then so be it. You know, the market will determine whether or not that that's an accurate price. Apparently, it's pretty accurate, you know, the fact that it was there. But then to say it's like $63 or whatever the number is, plus $1.50, you know, because exactly. Yes. Yes. Hell, just make it $64. I'm not going to shop between 63 and 64. You're getting back to probably what we should have been talking about the whole time, which is at what point do they feel like they don't need to have an extra charge and call it out because fuel prices are now at an acceptable rate that it doesn't require some surcharge? Is it when they've stayed where they are for a certain amount of time and we just accept that, okay, gas is four bucks a gallon now, or does it have to drop back down into the threes? Did we get a fuel bonus when gas was like a dollar fifty? And is yeah. it regionally dependent where, you know, my mom was in town a couple of weeks ago and she goes, I can't believe your gas is only three fifty. And I was like, I don't I don't know how much it normally would be. You know, it's just it's different areas. So is it does it, do we have it here in Texas and it's not in LA where it's more? I don't know. We just dropped below four bucks in Michigan. It actually is interesting in this piece. Uh, FedEx does have a regional chart, OG, where it is different based on where you're at. Timothy Richards, by the way, is a guy who owns two trucks that drive that last mile to people's houses and the businesses on behalf of FedEx and said a lot of these shippers, they don't really care that gas is significantly high. They just want their product moved. He said he's seeking more direct business with shippers. Rather than going through freight middlemen, filling up his truck cost more than 700 bucks, of course, up from more than 400 before Russia launched its Ukraine invasion. Big change, and I think we're all going to pay for it. By the way, what's interesting is, according to this piece also, this Wall Street Journal piece, ridership in Uber and Lyft uh, has been going down as we go back to pre-pandemic ways that we work and ways that we, ways that we get to work. Ridership ridership is down. So it, it is. It, so charge more. That's the way to do it. Well, yeah, that's what's interesting. Like, where does this land? Do we end up then with prices going even higher or do we have more people OG doing what I did at the airport? Right. Where I'm like, I never even thought of a taxi until you showed me 63 bucks. Once you showed me 63 bucks, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to find another way. Like I will find a different way to make that happen. To Doug's point, I will, I will drag my stuff a mile around the you airport. You can make like a couple of trips. Yes, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, just hold that stuff back, and I'll be back for the second. I mean, this, you, nobody will really take your crap if it's spinning on the little carousel thing. No. I think you're pretty safe. If you leave it out in the open, <laughs> it's you know that will attract attention. Uh, but if it's spinning at an around, airport? yeah, they don't mind just bags just sitting there unattended. No. Well, if they're, they're on the circle thing, that. it's cool, right? Yeah, that's yeah. totally fine. If it's like just sitting next to a trash can, no bueno. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see where this goes, but I did look up if you want to save money on gas. And even before we get to that, OG, I think this is the time when credit card debt starts coming around because if your budget isn't at all locked down and prices just are headed up like these $3 here, $5 here, $10 here, you know, these little extra fees and you just go, yeah, I got to pay it. I got to pay it. I got to pay it. 
So if the top line doesn't change, but the bottom line, how much you spend changes, this is, this is credit card debt. Because it, 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 for me, it was always these little things, right? It's this collection of little things. It's not the big thing. We always think it's a big thing that's going to kill your budget. It's this just everything is three, five, ten dollars $10 more expensive. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and that's why I think it's really important to have an idea of what you're spending on, you know, on a frequent basis. And maybe, you know, it doesn't have to be to the penny every single week. But if you haven't looked at your budget in a while, it's probably a good idea to do that. You should, but it probably means you are going to have to cut out one of those, I'll say, more discretionary big things because you're still buying gas. You're still buying groceries. Mm -hmm. Those things that are, those prices that are inflating, we can't, we maybe buy one gallon less milk and, but for the most part. Water it down, like fill up half. Yeah. Like drink half of it and then fill it back with water. Who doesn't do that? Yeah. But uh, but it just means that maybe a little bit of your splurging that you've got in your budget. Cheese might... sandwiches, like Len proclaims. Yeah, cheese sandwiches, uh, borderline child abuse. No, uh, Doug is telling mom upstairs, this is half and half. Oh, it's half and half, like cream? No, it's half water, half milk. <laughs> kind of. It's kind of. Isn't that, to say, isn't that what half and half is? You know how there's like 1% milk and 2% milk? I grew up with quarter percent milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't mix it with orange juice. Uh, I went to um, money.com has a one of those uh, how to save money on gas pieces written by Adam Hardy. And Drive he, less. He goes through 40. Yeah, there it is. Drop the mic. He lays off with pay cash instead of a card. You see those cash versus credit. You're not going to save a ton of money that way, but you'll save a little. It's a terrible uh, idea. And also, well, here's the deal. You know, He's carrying around 300 bucks in cash so that they can fill up every week with cash. There Come are on. some people where having cash versus credit, it makes more sense for them to carry cash. I'm the exact opposite. Uh, for me, if I've got cash in my wallet, I am blowing it. Uh, me and the, the the credit card, not so much. Number two, use a gas rewards card. Once again, if you're somebody that doesn't have a budget, switching to a gas rewards card, maybe not so good. But for other people, hey, you can get uh, maybe some money back. Third, join a grocery store rewards program. Might save you some money. Man, you That'll see- save some money. Well, you see the lines at like Sam's Club and at Costco for gas. Well, even at like uh, Kroger and stuff, if you put in your phone number or whatever, however you get your Kroger card or whatever, that will add 10 cents per gallon off or something like that. And you can compound that for a while. So yeah, that one I can get behind. Yeah. Plan out your routes ahead of time. People waste gas just because they, they take a longer route. Do you know anybody that actually does that? <laughs> that's, that's filler. That's that's like uh, I've got four things. I need one more. What's another one? Oh yeah, people drive uh, aimlessly. You know, <laughs> number number twelve on this list is remove excess vehicle weight, which is why we don't let Doug go with us. There's that one. Yes, I guess I had that coming. There, didn't I? there it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'll link to these. There's a few more that are uh, summer eye rolly, summer good at stackybedjamins.com, and of course our newsletter, the two hundred one, where we uh, dive in deeper on all these topics. Hey, it's time for the TikTok Minute. This is where we go over a TikTok video that sometimes is fantastic and sometimes I roll fantastic. Uh, Which one we got this week, OG? Fantastic. This is uh, the only thing that does not come from a movie here is the caption that the person put on it. This is literally a scene ripped from a movie, but it said everybody when they see their energy bills right now, uh, the past month. Here we go. Did you touch the thermostat? Did you turn it up? Well, of course not. Did somebody fiddle with the thermostat? It's 85 degrees. 85? 85. Do you have any idea how much even a few degrees can impact the gas bill? Of course I do. It's unthinkable. Dad, Kurtz, what's going on in here? Why is it so hot? Someone fiddled with the thermostat. What? Who would do that? 
think you're doing? It's roasting in here. I like to sleep with my window open. Hey, kid. Are you allowed to touch the thermostat at your mom's house? Duh. What is going on? Adriana, she turned up the thermostat. Said she fiddles with the thermostat at your place anytime she damn well pleases. Is that true? Tell me that's not true. Oh, criminy, Dusty, you might as well give her your wallet and your 401k while you're at it. Brad, do you let the kids touch the thermostat? Mark Wahlberg might as well give his kids his wallet and his 401k while he's at it if you're letting him touch the thermostat here, OG. Daddy's Home 2. <laughs> Daddy's Home 2. That's the name of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> a little long, that one, but uh, big thanks to Tina for sending us that one. If you've got a TikTok minute that you'd think uh, is apropos for these days, as much as that one is, uh, send it to me, joe at stackingbenjamins.com. Hey, coming up next, Larry Swedrow is a gentleman. Period. Who's the director of research oh. for Buckingham and the BAM Alliance. He has an MBA in finance and investment from New York University, a bachelor's degree in finance from Brew College. Larry was among the first authors to publish a book that explained the science of investing in layman's term, which was called The Only Guide to a Winning Investment Strategy You'll Ever Need. He's authored seven more books. We've had him on before, and he's a guy that uh, really can lay things out in as we said earlier, in just layperson terms, we asked him to explain sustainable investing to us. He's got a new book out on the topic, so it was a perfect time to have Larry come back. But before we get to Larry, Doug, you may have uh, a little trivia for us because you're you're uh, you're electronic filing today. I'm dialed into this one, Joe. Hey there, staggers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Wait, uh, give me a, give me a second here. I'm just. Sending my taxes in for the first time through the computer. It's in the computer. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Boy, is Joe's mom's calculator smoking over there. And after all that calculation, my inkwell's about dry. I've gone through a whole pad of paper. Uh, but, but, but quick question, uh, where's the stamp go when you e-file? <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. I know you just put it in that little slot in the side of the computer. I know, I know. Now, of course, as a techie, I can brag that I remembered to pay because way back in 1997, I set an annual alarm on my Palm Pilot. But people not as smart as you and me, well, they sometimes forget. So my question is, if you don't pay your taxes, how much is that failure to file penalty? I'll give you a hint. It's a percentage of the unpaid taxes per month that it's late. Is it 5%, 10%, or 12.5%? I'll be right back after I ask Clippy to look over all this information before I send it into the government. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. 
And I also think about some of our active service members. Want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. Hey there, stackers. I'm tax payment influencer and a dependent on several people's returns, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. You don't want to pay a fine on top of taxes, do you? No, ma'am. And that's why you got to get them in by the due date apply for an extension, or use a payment plan, just like when you buy that unicorn shirt on Zara. But if you somehow forgot, like hypothetically, because Joe's mom wanted you to help her organize her Daytona 500 memorial plates all weekend, my question is, what's the failure to file penalty for the IRS? Well, the failure to file penalty is 5% of the unpaid taxes for each month or part of a month that the tax return is late. The penalty won't exceed 25% of your unpaid taxes. But if your return is more than 60 days late, the minimum failure to file penalty is $435 for tax returns uh, that were supposed to be filed in 2020, 2021, or 2022, or 100% of the tax required to be shown on the return, whichever is less. Ouch! Now, let's move on from handing over our money to growing our money sustainably with Larry Swedro. And here he comes back down to the basement. So glad we have him back. Larry Swedro is back with us. How are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm on the right side of the grass, so it's a good day. <laughs> that always is a good day, isn't it? That is yes, not even a, not even Larry a glasses. The glass is half full. The glass is three quarters full. If you're happy, just waking up. <laughs> that's it. I think that's the right attitude. I try to have that every day. Well, getting into ESG or SRI investing um, and really the differences between those, but even just diving into this topic at all, I know you and I were talking about the fact that that there really are, for something that so many people worry about right now, Larry, there really isn't much in the way of books on this topic. There's not many people doing a, a comprehensive deep dive. Yeah, Really, the movement has been around for a long time, for several decades, uh, if you will. But it didn't really pick up speed and become a mainstream part of the investment world, really, until just five years ago. Uh, In other words, the way to think about it is like a hockey stick, uh, where you had a very small trickle of assets coming in for decades. And then around 2017, it just shot up where we're getting tens of billions a year flowing in. Uh, and that's really affected, I think, company behavior, as we've talked about in a special chapter in the book. And it's driving prices and therefore returns. And in 
somewhat unusual ways uh, that goes against the economic theory. Uh, and today we're already up to, because of that hockey stick, we're up to over 50% of the world dollars in Europe are invested with an ESG slant, and it's about a third in the U.S., but much higher percentages of new money coming in so that it's expected within the next 15 years we're going to see something like, you know, well over 50% in the U.S. and maybe 85% in Europe. Why you in this book? You write in the introduction that you've seen climate change in your life. You talked about skiing in northern Italy as a way to kick off this topic. So it's affected your life. Well, actually, that part of the book, the foreword was written by my co-author, Sam Adams, who was a skier. I've, I've never been on a pair of skis in my life, uh, but I have seen climate changes. I've traveled the world, to joke. Uh, I saw it uh, when I was up recently in Canada, up at Banff and Lake Louise. You yeah. see the glaciers receding, and there's obviously uh, some problems that need addressed, and people are more focused on it. But ESG goes way beyond now the E, right? You've got the S and the G as, as well, and people have concerns about those issues as well. You know, back when I was a financial planner, we used to always say, oh, you know, sounds great. Sounds fantastic that you want to be an ESG or an SRI investor. But when we talk about those types of investors, a lot of financial planners back then, and maybe even a few today, would say you're giving up some serious returns to do, quote, the right thing, right? But the past few years, those numbers have not played out the same. So is the we've actually seen some returns. I think it was 2020, 2021, that the ESG investors beat the S&P 500. And even when they didn't, they've come very close. Is this a change in the space and the management in the space? Is this window dressing? Is this uh, what what's driving the fact that now ESG seems to be also a good place to find a return? Yeah, well, that's a really important question and one we take a lot of time in the book to address. Uh, so let's see if we can help people understand this. Basic economic theory provides us with two rationales for green stocks uh, to underperform in terms of returns, uh, brown or sin stocks. And those two theories are one, a behavioral or a taste space preference, and the other is risk-based. So let's start with the behavioral one. If you have a whole group of investors who decide to screen out and not buy, say, oil companies, tobacco companies, defense stocks, gambling stocks, and they don't buy them, that doesn't affect their earnings, but it does affect their price valuations, their P.E. ratios, in other words, those valuations are going to be lower than they would be otherwise because you have fewer people buying their stock. And a lower PE means a higher cost of capital to the company. And just like if buying debt, if you have fewer people buying your debt, you have a higher interest rate. So what we see is the theory of a taste or a preference means if lots of people favor a stock, it drives their valuation up, PEs go up, and higher valuations mean you get lower expected returns. It's quite simple. 
And the risk-based explanation is that sin companies have more risks. Uh, there's more risk, say, for an environmental disaster for an oil company. And therefore, if you're going to own those stocks, you have to hold your nose and take that risk. You're going to demand compensation in the form of a higher expected return. So whether you take economic theory from a behavioral or risk-based preference, you should expect lower returns for expressing your values. And you may be willing to accept that because that's another form of return to you. You get to feel good about your changing the world, perhaps, and, and expressing your values. But you should expect it. Now, here's where we get the problem in the data. Every study, basically, looking at the data up to about 2016, when that revolution, that hockey stick of cash flow started to come in, showed exactly what economic theory would say. And since stocks have outperformed up to then the green stocks, if you will, or the market, by somewhere between 2 and 3% a year yeah. for 100 years. If you ask most of your listeners, Joe, I think they would say, if you ask them, which are the top performing sectors of the market or industries, they would likely say technology, healthcare, uh, one of those two likely. And the fact is the two strongest performing sectors have been tobacco and alcohol. Uh, and gambling <laughs> is right up there as well. And it's because of these tastes and risk-based preferences. Then what happened is you had this massive shift with tens of billions of dollars flowing in. And that is driving up the valuations of the green companies, creating short-term capital gains, driving down, relatively speaking, the valuations of the brown or the sin stocks, relatively speaking. So that means they get lower valuations. And so what happens is, even though the sin stocks ex ante or before the fact have higher expected returns, the cash flow of driving the valuations up so high that it's overcoming that expected return difference, creating even in some cases, as you noted, outperformance of green stocks. Depending on the academic papers written the last several years, depending on how far they go back, some show, say, if in their last 10 or 15 years, green and brown about equal. If it's shorter, like the last five or 10 years, they may even show green outperforming. But it's missing this fact of the changing valuations. And some recent studies have separated that changing valuation part out and said, let's just look at what happened from the earnings, not the changing valuations. And of course, then since stocks outperform. So here's the way to think about it. It's certainly possible that we're still in the early innings of this move to what economists would call a new equilibrium, uh, where, okay, everyone is now invested the way they want, then green stocks should be expected to underperform uh, because of their higher valuations and the risk-based preferences as well. But if we're in the third inning and cash is still coming in, which I think is likely, then maybe there's still enough cash coming in to create the capital gains 
to offset that and you can have your cake and eat it too. But of course, we're getting this wider and wider divergence. Yeah. And at some point, that gap is going to be so big, it would be hard to overcome and we'll reach an equilibrium. But at least in the short term, I think it's quite possible that investors can have their cake and eat it too. One last thing I will mention on this topic, you should expect lower returns from green stocks. However, the research also shows, just as theory would predict, which is always nice, that green companies do have less risk. They're less volatile. They have less governance risk, less risk of fraud, boycotts, lawsuits, environmental spills. So they may not have lower risk-adjusted returns, but they should have lower returns. But once you account for that risk, it's possible you may not have lower risk-adjusted returns. And that's what showed up during COVID crisis, by the way. The green stocks did outperform. But again, I have to note that's a period where you're getting lots of cash flow. Sure, absolutely. But it is exciting to see that as boards of companies, you know, see all these inflows and see where the money's coming from, Larry, it really is exciting to somebody that's hoping to change the world that their dollars can do that in a meaningful way, regardless of whether we're beating the S&P 500, the broader market overall. Yeah. I want to back away because- We have a whole chapter on that, Joe. So the way to think about it, it fits very nicely with the prior conversation we just had on returns. Because companies that are brown or sin uh, viewed as not positive from an ESG perspective, they're going to have a higher cost of capital. They'll get lower price earnings ratios. So have to give up more of their earnings to get the same capital. They're going to have higher costs of debt, pay higher interest rates. So they'll be at a competitive disadvantage recognizing that they're changing their behavior, trying to get better ESG scores. And also, of course, if you become more efficient in your energy use, you become more profitable. So you even have that incentive as well. So the evidence is clearly showing that investors through their preferences are impacting corporate behavior in a way that benefits everybody. Uh, we got people that are hanging out with us. I know that are thinking, Larry, exactly what you do in the book, which is how do I even get into this? Exactly what is my approach? How do I get into this? And I think we have to start with really the spectrum of of sustainable investing. What are the different ways that people get into sustainable investing? Yeah, well, this is a topic that's very complex, unfortunately, because everybody's definition of what is good or bad can be very different. I'll give you one example of that. In the early days of the socially responsible investing movement, uh, this was in the 70s, early 80s. I lived in San Francisco and Levi Strauss was hailed as one of the companies leading a movement to help people say if you had a gay spouse, they were giving benefits corporate benefits covering medical to those employees. And someone who believed in that would say, gee, that's great. I want to support that company. I'll buy their stock. And other groups, for whatever reasons, perhaps religious beliefs or whatever, would say, no, I disagree with that. And they would screen that company out. 
somebody who supports contraceptives. Well, if you're a Catholic and you believe that, a Catholic fund, and there are Catholic funds might screen that company out, and other people would say they want to support it. So one man's green is another, you know, person's brown. And that's a real problem. And for investors today, there are seven companies that rate companies from this ESG perspective and give them scores. And we point out in the book, there's a real difference between, say, credit ratings, where we have three major credit providers, Fitch, Moody's, and S&P, and there's a 99% correlation of their ratings. Between all three. So if you look at a company and it's got an A rating on one for Moody's, you don't even have to look at the other ratings. They're going to be identical or very, very close. If you look at the seven companies, the correlations range from as low as about 0.4 to 0.6. Wow. So they're not highly correlated. And you can see companies with scores that are very high from one rater and very low from another. And that's because everybody's definitions are very different. I'll give you a few examples so our readers can understand that. One, let's say you're looking at the socially responsible side of the equation here. You want to look at how companies are treating women and minorities. So you might say, I want to look at the number of women on the boards or a number of minorities on the board. That's one way to do it. Another could look at pay gaps, and they can come up with very different answers. A good example on the environmental side uh, would be one rater looks at what are called scope one emissions, which are the direct product inputs. How much are you polluting? How much carbon are you using in your inputs? Another one looks at scope one and scope two, which means you're looking at the supply chain that goes into the development. And then there's a third, much more detailed analysis, which most companies don't even report on, or many don't, which is called scope three. And that includes the entire chain until delivery. So someone could look at Amazon, which doesn't produce anything, and say, well, you know, they're very efficient and everything's, so we'll give them a good score. And then you look at, and I'm just making this up as an example, at all the trucks that they drive around and that's polluting the environment and give them a bad score. So this is a real issue and it creates a complication even in the research. Because you could have a study that looking at using MSCI's ratings and another look at Morningstar's ratings or Truscott, and they come up with different ratings. So one of the things we point out in the book, you really have to do your research and figure out what are your values? Yeah. Is that rater expressing it? And maybe it's even better just to develop your own criteria and say, I'm going to invest in these companies or screen them out. And instead of using mutual funds, which probably rely on ratings, you can develop your own separate account management today. That's pretty easy to do. Uh, there are lots of uh, funds uh, that do that. At Buckingham, we use three companies, Dimensional, Aperio, and Parametric, that can build portfolios for investors, tailored exactly to their personal desires. 
But I love this idea of starting with you. I mean, it's it's like the last time you were here, Larry, and we just talked about the best way to get where you want to go is to begin with the end in mind, right? Forget with all the hot investments out there. Start with what you're driving. You guys put these into three big buckets uh, for readers, socially responsible investing, impact investing, and then the third one, ESG. <laughs> ESG. Right. The difference between the three of those because because I feel like if people know these three definitions that they can then begin to say just categorically which of these areas that I'm in is an investor because the thing that I'm getting out of this conversation more than anything is this socially responsible investing idea is way the hell too big like it's way too big and maybe we need to just throw that term out completely because it's so much more fragmented than the average person thinks it is yeah, well, uh, like I said, you have to decide what's important to you because it likely has financial impact as well. And if you're giving up an expected return, you want to make sure you're getting value in terms of expressing your values in return for that. So the SRI tends to be this negative screening out. I want to avoid defense stocks or sin stocks or gambling stocks or smoking or tobacco and alcohol. And that's one way to do it. But that really misses a whole area of the environment and governance issues as well. And let me give you a good example that really complicates the issue. This is one of my favorite things I like to explain to people. If Joe, if I were to ask you which industry has the most green patents, what would your guess be? The most green patents. Right. So to help the environment the most, right? It's advancing how we use energy in an efficient way. Well, it's the energy oil companies that well, have the most green patents. Well, and it's actually funny that so you say you that. Screen them out. It's, it's actually funny that you say that, Larry, because as you were talking, the very first thing I couldn't get my head around was all the BP commercials out there talking about green energy. And I'm like, well, there's no way in hell it's yeah. BP, right? But you're saying it is. It is. And so if you think about it, if you screen out these energy companies, don't buy their stocks, they're, you're going to force them to have a higher cost of capital, deprive them of the very capital they need to make the investments that they're leading the world to a greener planet. That doesn't make any sense to me. Now, made to you. That's okay. That's your values. I'd rather support that. And so what some raiders do is they take not an, uh, an approach of the overall relative the market. They look at best in class. So in the energy space, you could have a high or a low score in green because you're either making big investments in energy and trying to become more efficient in its use, or you could be poor. So a best in class approach may be a good one for you to think about. So th that's really important uh, there as well. And then you have impact investing, which many people are not familiar with. That third category really thinks about it from the social benefit. So you don't care. The main focus is not on returns. I think socially responsible and ESG investors are trying sort of to have their cake and eat it too. They want to express their values and get good returns. Impact investors, it's really the focus is on impact 
And if they get returns, that's great, but that's not the main focus. So you invest in a company uh, or the projects that's building water wells for a town in Africa so they have clean water. And you're making an investment in that way or in a school system, uh, whatever it might be. So you're trying to impact the world directly through your investments. And that's really, to me, a much more powerful way. But again, the focus then is not on returns and it's much more difficult uh, there are thousands of companies doing this stuff, and you've got to do your due diligence and understand, you know, how to do proper due diligence and choosing somebody you're going to give your money to to make sure it's being really impactful. And that is that is my next question. I feel like in the area of exchange traded funds right now, uh, ETF as you know, Larry, is such a buzzword and people want an ETF. And now we have the market being flooded with a bunch of ETFs that just don't don't really make a lot of sense. I feel like they're cashing in on the buzzword. I feel like it's got to be the same here with socially responsible investing, right? There's a bunch of socially responsible funds that are cashing in on this, that are cashing in on the craze. How do I make sure that I don't put my money with a bad actor in this sector? Yeah, well, that's again, it's down to due diligence, uh, doing it on, you know, either on your own because you have the skill sets to do it. And obviously for those people who are working with professional advisors like my firm, Buckingham Strategic, well, that's our job is to screen out and approve. We have a list of approved vendors, if you will, or providers yeah. who we've done due diligence on to make sure that the companies are doing it. Now, I will address one other point. A lot of what is called greenwashing is going on. So companies and mutual funds are trying to look like they're doing something ESG positive, but they really aren't. And you have to be very careful on that aspect as well. So again, due diligence is required. But are there some are there some red flags, a couple red flags, Larry, that you look for when you're doing your due diligence that tell you, yeah, I don't think so. I, I can't think of anything that's really direct. You really have to do it. It's specific. I don't want to pick on any particular situation and point that out. It, you really just have to do your proper due diligence. As I said, there's a lot of greenwashing on. People just throw the title, as you said or alluded to, that e this is an ESG fund and it really isn't. That's what greenwashing you know, is. And so you have to look at the, you know, the Raiders, the job they're doing, that's part of what they're trying to do. But again, how do your values align with the way they line up? One Raider who's using, you know, best in the market class. And then you heard what I had to say about best in sector. And so you think that's a better approach. Well, you've got to find the raider who is taking that approach. Unfortunately, there is no consistency in the industry in ratings uh, like there is for credit ratings. And I don't see the likelihood of that happening because the raiders all you know, they don't want to agree because then you don't need seven of them. Sure, right. Uh, each one of them's trying to push that theirs is the best. So it's possible uh, that the SEC could try to standardize things, but I wouldn't hold up too much hope for that in the near future. 
I wouldn't either. And I don't know if that makes things better or complicates it more. Cause sometimes I feel like that makes it even yeah. worse. Well, that's why I think the best approach for most people who really want to take this seriously is to define their own values and develop their own screens and say, all right, here are the companies or industries that I want to invest in and do it that way. And then you get to express your values uh, in exactly the way you want. Uh, if not, there are some great alternatives. I'll give you a great example. I think one of, if not the best fund company out there using academic research is Dimensional Fund Advisors. They developed a series of sustainable investment strategies so you can invest domestically and internationally. And their approach is not to do negative screening but to rank companies and overweight the higher ranking ones, but also tilt those portfolios to companies that have more exposure to what are called factors or traits that have higher expected returns. So for example, while we know that the brown stocks have outperformed and should be expected to outperform in the long term, the green stocks, uh, that has all been explained by exposure to factors. So they tend to be value companies, which have outperformed. They tend to be more profitable companies. The SIN stocks are better at making good investments and, and having higher profitability. So if you want a higher returns and express your values, Dimensional has done that for you. So you offset the fact that you've screened out these bad actors by then tilting your portfolio to factors that have higher returns. So they offset. Uh, now, you know, that may not be exactly what you want, but that's one way to get there without sacrificing returns. So that's a very simple approach. Lots of our clients use that and they don't have to worry about doing their own due diligence, but others say, I want to do it very specifically. And for them, we build very specific portfolios. Well, you know, Larry, regardless of whether you do it yourself or an advisor is doing it and you're on board, I love the idea of beginning with your own values. I love the idea of knowing the difference between negative screens, positive screens, and what an and impact investing, what the impact is going to be. And I also like the fact that you kind of got to know a little bit between, you know, how the different rating agencies work because they all don't work the same and just, just getting a feel for that. I think no matter how you approach this, that is all super, super helpful, full stuff. Uh, the book I'm, I'm assuming is available everywhere. Well, it's available on Amazon, which is probably where most people shop. It should sure. be in bookstores. And we're really proud that Bert Malkiel, after reading the book, agreed to write the forward. And so we were very proud of that. Yeah, I was su not surprised because, Larry, obviously, when you write a book, I think people listen. But to have the man behind uh, Random Walk Down Wall Street, but also to have some great advisors, Harold Avansky, who's very well, uh, not even, he's so well-respected. When I was an advisor, his books, he and Dina Katz, their books on practice management were yes. just amazing. And of course, Jane Bryant Quinn endorsing the book as well. She's been been helping people for a long, long time. But uh, your essential guide to sustainable investing, we'll have links to it in our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Larry Swedrow, 
Thanks for hanging out with us again, talking ESG. I super appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to come back anytime, Joe. Hey, this is Joe Crane, host of Veteran on the Move podcast. And when I'm not helping veterans transition to entrepreneurship, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Larry for coming on. And I really like that take, OG, that even though we have had returns lately, that if sometimes beaten the S&P 500, he doesn't see that continuing, but it's also not a reason to not sustainably invest. Like you can, you can invest with your values. You'll still get a great return. Your investments can match what you believe in. Yeah, I'd say probably 15 years ago, this wasn't true, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and over the last decade or so, more and more products and more and more ways to evaluate this have come to the forefront. And so if you uh, think that's important, like Larry said, you're, you're able to, uh, to invest that way. So that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. And I also like how he echoes your sentiments about some of the ETF hotness, right? That everybody's offering these ETFs of the month, the craze they're cashing in. A lot of people doing the same now in sustainable investing. Like now that that's yeah. a buzzword, there's a bunch of crappy sustainable investing products. So watch out for those. I'm waiting for the uh, the fund that's called sustainable.com or something like that. Right. You know, that's 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 really just a bunch of cigarettes and bourbon manufacturers right. or something like that. But the bourbon taste in your mouth lasts longer, which is how it's sustainable. They never tell you how it's sustainable. Yeah, that and and tomorrow after you have the cigar, you know, that's also super sustainable. You can sustain it. Yeah. Big thanks to Larry for coming by. Hey, let's throw out to Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. Long-lasting deodorant. <laughs> we all appreciate that one. That's a good one. That's That may be the best one he's had, OG. It's your loved ones in your time, but I know your loved ones appreciate the fact that you have long-lasting deodorant. I was going to say leftover Easter candy. Oh, but, well, hey. You know, yeah. No such thing. Could, could. <laughs> True. Sure. As far as the kids know. How about leftover Easter grass from the Easter basket that you find for six months in your yeah. carpet in random places throughout your house? Woven into your curtains. Exactly. <laughs> it's why they may buy quality term life insurance. Actually simple. You go to stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life now to get a free quote, their application. It's all simple. It's online. So you can get out and living. You'll get an instant coverage decision, affordable prices. And of course, their policies are issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual. More than 160-year-old insurer. Today, as Doug mentioned back in the open, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our new friend, Amanda. Say hi, Amanda. Hey, Joe and OG. Amanda here. Thanks to all those coupons for the Sizzler and those bad segues I got from stacking Benjamins in the can, both my husband and I were able to parlay our way into doubling our household income. This is almost certainly going to put us over the Roth income limits for 2022, but I've already made three months of automatic deposits. Is there any way to recharacterize those? Can I reassign them to the 2021 tax year before tax day? Will I just pay extra taxes in 23? I tried to catch OG on his way out to his plane, but Doug was being loud and complaining about fake holidays again. Well, the only thing I've learned in six years is that Gertrude doesn't need my shirt size, so see ya. She, Amanda, that does not leave us her shirt size. She leaves everything else, but not her shirt size. That's right. Nice work, Amanda. Thanks for the question. And uh, yeah, OG, great day for this question. It's tax day. She's worried about yeah. taxes next year. How does she, how does she Depends unravel? Depends on what time you're listening to this. Yeah. How does she <laughs> unravel this? Well, and I think this is the way that we want to do it for anybody who's getting really close to that income limit. As, as you get close to it, it probably makes sense 
to just wait until you see what the all the income comes in at for the end of the year because undoing it is a gigantic pain in the butt. Some custodians, some companies, TD, Ameritrade, or, or Schwab, or whatever, some of them will help you with this and some of them will not and just say, well, this is up to you. I think from a time and energy standpoint, just a little bit better to wait if you're close. Now, you get a bonus, you don't know it happens, or you get a pay raise, and now you're like, oh, shoot, I'm going to be over the limit. Uh, obviously, stop making contributions. If you're going to be over the limit, don't make any contributions. What's going to happen is you have to tell the IRS that you're taking the money out of your Roth and doing something else with it. If you're not eligible to put the money in, you can't. The penalty for doing that is 6% a year of the amount that you should have taken out. So it, uh, it compounds pretty quickly, almost like Doug's 25% penalty for not filing every uh, or not paying your tax every month. So it's not it's my really penalty. Bo- yeah, no, it was yours. That's what you said. You said you collect it, and uh, if you don't pay your taxes on time, Doug comes to your house. At least that's what the phone calls I get say. <laughs> Doug's coming. I got one of those the other day, by the way. Sidebar. Beware of Doug. You know, it's like, hey, you didn't pay your taxes. We're we're you know you're we're on the way to arrest you if you don't hurry up and pay it. And I was like, oh my god, what do I do? <laughs> I, I kept him on the phone for a little bit before they realized that I was. Onto them. Because you got time for that. I did. Oh. I did that moment anyway. I thought it was just so you could delay them from coming. Like the longer you keep them on the phone, the the longer exactly. you got your Mrs. OG's packing the house. Exactly right. I've seen enough thriller movies to know that I just need to keep you on the phone long enough. Anywho, uh, back to the point at hand. So if you put money in, you want to take it out. If you don't, there's a penalty. If you wait, then, then you're going to pay taxes on the gain that's happened. So if you're like probably most people this year, you might not have a lot of gains in your portfolio. So now would be the perfect time to take that money out and recharacterize it to an IRA so that you can do uh, the proverbial backdoor contribution if you want to try that. Uh, there's some rules around that you want to be careful of or just take the money out altogether. But either way, you got to get the money out before next April. So if it was for 2022 year, then you've got until tax filing deadline of 22. But I wouldn't waste any time, and I would just get it over with now, especially if you think you're going to be over the limit. Yeah. Thanks for that question, Amanda. And a great uh, thing there, doing some tax planning early, uh, Mm -hmm. because I find that too many people wait until a day like today to do this year's planning. The fact that you're looking at next year's and making sure that you're- What do I do? Yeah. Taxes are due now. I know. Making sure you're in a good place for next year is always great. That's going to do it for today. Hey, just a couple things. If you are in the Detroit area, I'm coming back to Detroit. And Doug, you going to be with me tonight? Damn right I am. Fantastic. Doug and I in Detroit down at East Market uh, Brewing Company. Going to be a lot of fun. Say it right. Tomorrow night I'll be in, what's it called? Is it called something else? Eastern I thought I said Eastern Market. I didn't say Eastern Market. I heard East, East Market. And then right away people are going to know that guy's not from Detroit. That guy's not, yes. He must from be from Kalamazoo. Like Kalamazoo. Yeah. Which, by the way, is where I'm going to be Wednesday. But before that, on Tuesday, I'll be at Hopcat, uh, just outside of Grand Rapids. And then Kalamazoo, also at Hopcat. I'm, I'm doing the Hopcat. And then the Hopcat Hop, I'm doing. And mm, then... Crack fries. <laughs> Thursday, we have a very special event with the whole team. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are at a private club called Cliff Dwellers. That has 50 tickets. And when they're gone, they're gone. We're all here, one of the few spots where you're going to get all of us in one room. Uh, And then Friday, out in Aurora, uh, for some more fun, Saturday and Sunday, Milwaukee. StackyBenjamins.com slash stat to sign up for all those. But if you're not here for Surround Sound, if you're here to get stuff done, I got a better idea. 
make your team better so that you can think bigger about your goals. OG and his team are taking new clients. So head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG. And that's the link to their calendar. And you know what? It's not about what you know. It's about what you do and time to maybe get the ball rolling. All right. That is going to do it for today. Doug, man, this has been a great episode. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, listen to Larry Swedrow. You don't have to choose between getting good returns and doing good in the world. Second, time is money and don't think Uncle Sam doesn't know it. Get organized ahead of time to avoid paying the stupid tax on top of the regular one. But the big lesson? The stamp doesn't actually go in the side of the computer slot. I mean, I knew it the whole time. According to this tech website, it's something called a, an Uzba? Uzb, Uzb, port, Uzb, port. Mom, mom, get the tweezers. Thanks to Larry Swedrow for joining us. His book, Your Essential Guide to Sustainable Investing, is available anywhere you hug trees and try to pick their pockets for cash. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. It'll be interesting to see where this goes. As transportation goes off, 
like what happens with all of our <laughs> you know joe packs everything like he there's there's never been a heavier packer and i just pictured joe like packing cat food because he thought i might need it and then the drug dogs smell the cat food in the bags and and next thing you know joe's in cuffs like that's just a whole little scene that just played out in my head you can cut that but that's what i was laughing about i thought that was funny i love how you guys have been through my suitcase you guys know exactly what i packed <laughs> just, i don't have to see the inside hold on, of it hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on i'm packing you an extra pair of shoes and your angry eyes just in case and if you get hungry here's some cheese puffs and a key i don't know what it's for but you never know and a golf ball if you have time for golf <laughs> and a plastic steak and a rubber ducky and a yo-yo and an extra bouncy, bouncy ball. And some extra teeth. Be careful, they chatter. Whoa! And crayons, in case you get bored. And some blue Play-Doh. <laughs> and a dime, call me, and monkey chow. Monkey chow? For what? Well, for the monkeys, of course. Come on, monkeys! <laughs> That's it, I it's, it's, it's like they opened Joe's suitcase. That's who opened my suitcase right there. That's it. Uh, you know, that uh, actress passed away this week. Oh, no. She's yeah. got the best voice, doesn't she? A little nod. A little nod to uh, Mrs. Estelle Harris. George's mom, right? Yes, absolutely. George Costanza's yes. mom. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Life well lived. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 